0: what up everybody welcome to another episode of the two smart dummies podcast as always i'm your host marcus and i'm
1: your host b reed
0: what's going on man
1: nothing man you caught me in the middle of taking a drink of water of you- course now we already know you all liquored
0: up <laughs> uh we actually were gonna. We recorded this yesterday, but due to some technical difficulties, on uh, according to Beatty, my part, um, we were not able to get the show up. Quit so we're telling
1: all our business. We they don't know we recorded yesterday. It was a great show too. You know, I felt good great. about it. Mm-hmm. Like you mm-hmm. just knew mm-hmm. it knew it was going in. So I'm I'm nervous about this show because I thought that one was a good one.
0: You're, it's going to hard. Be hard to repeat. <laughs> um, I was. I was looking around on the Facebook today and I was like, man, I should really create a Facebook page for the pod. But then I got off Facebook because I don't like Facebook. So um,
1: I'm still working my way up to that. But that's progress, right? No, it's not. You've been saying this since the summertime. <laughs> since the lost 20- tapes, you've been saying you're going to make a Facebook page. So I'm not giving Facebook you any more credit. Facebook coming 2020. <laughs> 2020. Facebook
0: coming 2020. When? when when Uncle Donnie's out of office, we'll get Facebook back. Might not be t- till uh, 2024, then. Uh, 2024, Facebook. <laughs> we'll see. All right, man, let's talk about the playoffs uh, this past weekend. You had uh, the Eagles and the Saints, and I know that that hurt you a little bit. You uh, a little. You know, great game overall. Um, came down to, really, a couple of plays at the end. Alshon Jeffrey had a ball go right through his hands, and um, – Caused a pick, turnover by uh,
1: Mr. Marshawn Lattimore for the Saints. And here we are. So yesterday you guys caught me on a good day. Today is one of my bad days. So I'm going to tell you how I really feel about Alshon Jeffrey. That's just unacceptable. I'm tired of these dudes. They get the money. And then once they get the money, they don't play as hard. Like Alshon Jeffrey used to be a one-on-one dominant force. Maybe he's just old now. But even before the missed pass, he was upsetting me. You bring in a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, that's 6'4", 2", whatever, to beat man coverage. And he literally let Marshawn Lattimore, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Second-year player? Is that correct? Yep. Literally shut yes. him down. Once Marshawn Lattimore started following him across the field, he had no impact. And even on that little pass, it just looks like Lattimore was in his head because he finally got open. He finally got some space, and even that was just for a five-yard pass, and you miss it for the game. And then what upsets me more than anything? Every time the season's over, we find out that Mark, that uh, Alshon Jeffrey had some injury. Oh, now my rib's been broke for seven weeks, but I've been playing. Oh, my shoulder was separate. Like, come on, man.
0: Now is that the Mar- Is that Alshon's voice? Um, yeah, that was that a yeah, yeah, that was direct direct translation <laughs> of what he sounds like. <laughs> um, listen, when I think of Alshon Jeffrey, I just want to give a real big shout-out to Urban Meyer and just say, fuck you one more time, Urban, <laughs> because when he was recruiting Alshon, he said that if he didn't come to Florida, that he was going to be pumping gas for the rest of his life in South Carolina. So man. I don't care what Alshon does. Okay, the man that won a Super Bowl – He's been a clutch player for multiple teams. Whatever, all right? I mean, it was bad, bad, bad possession for him. You cannot be
1: a number one receiver in the league and miss that pass. You can't miss that pass, man. You just can't. It happens. No, it shouldn't. no, it should not. Not with players like Alshon Jeffrey. If that was Nelson Aguilar, I'd say, okay, Golden Tate wouldn't have missed that pass. You can't be the number one and miss that pass.
0: Golden Tate's the truth, though. He is. He's a third-down monster. Um, I'm a big Golden Golden State fan, or what the boy? What's the boy's name? Golden Tate. Golden Tate. <laughs> I'm a big Golden Tate fan.
1: Uh, he's won me a few fantasy football leagues. So um, you know, what made me most what made me most upset about that is I actually thought we were gonna win. I mean, that's the perfect situation. That's the same situation that happened last week in Chicago. You know, the Eagles just kind of stay within range. They get a they, the defense comes up big because that's what the defense does. They come up big, get the ball back. You're in driving position in a two-minute warning. Of course you want to dink and dime because you want to take as much time off the clock as possible. Because just like last game, you see our defense can turn around and give up 80 yards in 40 seconds. So, I just can't believe he missed that pass, man. Just knock it down or something. It's just frustrating, man. Frustrating. And no guarantee, y'all go
0: and win anyway. So hey, you know, if that you're doesn't still, matter. At the, what, a bum team
1: like the Raiders don't understand. You just get to the next week, and you worry about that the next week. Wow,
0: there's really no need to take shots at me. I mean, I, there's I always I'm a not, reason
1: to take shots at you.
0: I didn't play in the game. I I wasn't rooting for or against the Eagles. You okay? were actually I'm just rooting
1: against the Eagles.
0: I do like Drew Brees, and I'm a, I do like the Saints. So I, there's nothing about the Eagles that I like other than Chris Long. So you know, um, what about Malcolm right, Jenkins. Man. Yeah, whatever. He's cool. <laughs> uh, let's go to the Rams Cowboys, man. Um, for a good part of the game, I th- it was actually a pretty good game. Cowboys came up. They were what up fourteen nothing.
1: I didn't see the first part of the game, so I don't know what the score was early. I just know that the Rams dominated them with the run game. I saw that. Man,
0: they made C.J. Anderson look like Barry Sanders out there, Earl Campbell or something, because uh, he ran for 148 yards and two touchdowns, and Todd Gurley even got off himself.
1: Um, yeah, but you know, no, the point is the- that uh, the Rams' defensive line had their, the Rams' offensive line or the Rams' coaching staff knew the plays. That the defensive line would run based on where the defensive tackle lined up. Like, so they knew when they were going to do stunts, when they were going to rush wide. So, that was a, a lot of the reason for the gaping holes. And then, once you get past that defensive line, as good and as fast as those linebackers are, they couldn't really stand up to the power of those running backs once they got one on one. Team Jalen Smith get ran over by C.G. Anderson i think van escher or whatever his name is got ran over a couple times so yeah
0: they had to take they had to take uh, vander uh, out the game and put sean lee back in there because uh he was getting mopped up pretty good um so you know there's there's been a lot of talk about the cowboys defensive coordinator or linebackers coach whatever the hell he is he was interviewing for the uh miami dolphins gig and you know that's they, they weren't really
1: prepared for uh for going into the playoff game what do you make of that well, I mean, based on them saying that they knew the calls, you can only know those calls by tape. And these, that's what these dudes are paid to do during the week. Look at film, study film, figure out your tendencies, play off those tendencies. So if someone's able to pick up your keys, it had to be based on a previous game, maybe even last game, that they're picking up keys then that means that somebody did not do their job because as a coaching staff, it's your job to know certain keys and patterns because you know the other coaching staff are going to look for those and then you play off of them. Um, Like I was telling people, sometimes when you watch NFL games and you see defensive linemen jumping off sides all the time, you're like, why are those idiots doing that? Because they've seen something on film and the offense is playing off that, you know. So if the Dallas didn't do that in a playoff game, it shows you why Dallas hadn't been relevant in the last thirty years. I don't care what happened in '95 and how many championships you had before I was born. The organization's trash right now.
0: I mean, you were born in '95. I mean, you were alive in '95, right?
1: Maybe, maybe not. I don't feel like disclosing.
0: <laughs> Baby, you was a solid twenty years old in nineteen ninety five. Solid twenty. 20- <laughs> 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 You was filming Three Ninjas or something in 1995.
1: Yeah. I remember that. Hey, I've had a long, lustrous life. Let's not get into those details, you know.
0: <laughs> you remember Barry Switzer. <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> Great old coach. Of course I remember uh, Barry Switzer. You know.
0: So, um, yeah, man. And basically what the, the Rams did, they said, look, Dak, you're going to have to beat us because Ezekiel, Elliott, you ain't doing it. And they sold out against the run, and Dak Prescott could not get it done. Um, By the way man I am tired of This Marcus Peters fella Talking all this shit He talks a lot of shit For a cornerback That has not been very good This year Um, Said he choked Amari Cooper out Said that uh, Amari was a baby back Biatch And all this kind of stuff Talked about his mama Or whatever And uh, said just like Just like he was in Oakland A little biatch With Michael Crabtree And uh I mean Amari Cooper Put up 60 yards And a touchdown on him That's 12 fantasy points If you're counting 13 if you and Well 14 if you're in a a PPR league, so, you know, what's he got to say?
1: Well, number one, I don't think anybody on the field gives a shit about fantasy football, number one. But otherwise, yeah, I'm kind of tired of Marcus Peters, too, man. Uh, He was really good early on, but now he's just super arrogant and cocky, and I guess you have to be that way to be a good corner. But he hasn't been great lately. He hasn't. He's been, not been good at all this yeah, year. Yeah, he hasn't been what we thought he was gonna be when early on in his career. Like he was shut down with the Chiefs. Now maybe that was a a product of the pass rush that the Chiefs had with Justin Houston them, because he right. hasn't been the same since then. But he still has that same arrogance and cockiness, and some people call it fire. But you have to know the difference of when to turn it on, when to turn it off. And he just he's never off. Like, he's never off. He's always on. Even, um, I think it was week 15 when they played the Eagles, they showed him going up into the stands talking noise to one of the fans. I mean, he's just always right. on. And it. I don't think he's going to last in the league with that type of attitude, man. Couldn't help that you're I on mean, a team with uh, Aqib Tlaib, who, like, shot himself and threatened to kill people. So
0: Yeah, but Aqib Tlaib about that life, though. Yeah. Marcus Peters, he just – he thinks because he's from Oakland, you know, that's, that's his credit. But uh, – now keep to is real so (laughs) there's a reason uh michael crabtree won't fight him back so uh you know uh, yeah i'm just i'm over marcus peters and he he was talking about how sean payton was talking all this shit and he's got to come see him again i I actually hope the saints really just blow him out because i don't know if they're gonna put to old ass on him or if they're gonna put marcus peters on on uh michael thomas but somebody's in for a not-so-fun day.
1: Yeah, and that's, man, I don't know, man. I go back and forth on Michael Thomas, though. I mean, Michael Thomas had an outstanding game against the Eagle, but my problem with Michael Thomas is he disappears too much in games, so it makes me question how he'll do against this Rams secondary because even though you know, Peters isn't good all the time. And sometimes he's good. And you got to lead back there. You got, I think they still got Joiner back there. They have a really good secondary back there. And I don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be as effective against that press man and the things that they do with the Rams as they were against the Eagles. Cause the Eagles are playing with dudes that was working at Kroger's last week. They're playing 35 yards off in a soft zone and just letting Michael Thomas run them over and just jump over them. So that's not going to be the case this week. I don't have a lot of faith in Michael Thomas recreating what he did before. And outside of Michael Thomas, a lot of those players aren't productive in that receiving core. I mean, we've seen a lot, a lot of times the Saints just go cold. And even against the Eagles in that bad secondary, they went cold in the second half of that game. I don't believe they're going to be able to do that against the Rams.
0: Yeah, I... Um... I think that the saints need to lean a little bit more heavily on that running game. Um, because ever since Mark Ingram has come back, you know, they have not been the same team and it's just, you know, the last, the last stretch of the season, it just didn't seem like, um, the saints were the same saints as the beginning of the season. And obviously that doesn't have much to do with Mark Ingram, but Alvin Kamara wasn't as effective. Their offense just didn't seem as dynamic. Um, as they had when they were rolling at the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, I don't know why they didn't lean more on Alvin Kamara. You know, you get the coach speak of you don't want to wear him down and this, that, and the other. But when a dude is doing what Kamara was doing in the first four weeks of the season, I don't know why he wasn't just the number one. Like, they cut his snaps dramatically. He was putting up 100 yards on the ground, catching out the backfield. I don't know. I don't see what the need for even having Mark Ingram in there to pound it, protect him, whatever. The new NFL is about these spread offenses. It's just like college. It's go, go, go. These running backs know how to protect themselves and not take clean hits because there's these linebackers are spread all over the field. And players like Kamara are so dangerous that, that you have to play nickel packages anyway. So I, I just don't get what the purpose of using Mark Ingram is. I mean, I know he can pound the ball and he can break, but it slows down the offense. So, I mean. So to your point. Um, the first time around against the Saints-Rams in
0: Week 12, I mean, Alvin Kamara had a big game. I mean, he had five carries for 87 yards and a touchdown and six receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then Ted Ginn was the second leading re- – or excuse me, was actually the leading receiver as far as total receptions. It's seven for 71. Michael Thomas only got five for 52 in, and the rest of the team did virtually nothing. So um, – that
1: receiving core isn't great i mean it's really much pretty much alvin Kamara opens it up for everyone else
0: yeah um so i'm i am curious to see uh how this game turns out i i you know maybe you're right about michael thomas um but I, i do think that I think that these guys are going to... I think it's going to be a good game, but I'm not sold on that um, on that Rams defense, and I'm not sold on that Rams quarterback.
1: Well, the one thing I do like about the Rams, as I said last week, if you can hit Drew Brees, not sack him, just hit him and make him see ghost, then you can, um, you can make him... He's not like Drew Brees of old. He doesn't move around in the pocket as well. Um, he knows that his line isn't that good, so he'll start getting the ball out way quicker than he needs to, and... He won't be as accurate. So that's the one thing that the Rams have to do. I mean, they have, what, $3 billion tied up in their defensive line? (laughs) That defensive line is going to have to show up and get some pressure on Drew Brees if they want to um, get to the Super Bowl. If they can do that, then I think the Rams are a lock because I don't think the Saints can stop their run game. So I think the Rams can control the ball, and I think that they should be able to slow down Drew Brees with their defensive line. But if not – I actually
0: take back everything i just said um i was looking at the wrong stats michael thomas beat them the fuck up Uh, (laughs) in the first game he had 12 receptions for 211 yards and and one touchdown man you just let Um, me go on
1: that rant knowing i'm gonna look like an idiot
0: you know i i was trying (laughs) to stop but i was reading (laughs) at the same time uh alvin kamara still did his thing with three total touchdowns 19 carries for 82 yards and two touchdowns and then uh Four receptions, 34 yards, and one touchdown. Where
1: the hell did you get three receptions for 52 yards from?
0: I guess that was week 12 of the previous year. I don't know what I was looking at, but uh, (laughs) it was not right. So, my bad. Michael Thomas ate big time against uh, that Rams defense um, going back to uh, week 12 of this season. Like I said, 12 12 receptions, 211 yards. I mean, dude,
1: wow. Well, still yet. I still think that the Rams will come out victorious in this game because I think that they're saving Gurley for, for this game. Like Gurley didn't really have a lot of snaps last week. Um, I don't know how serious they took Dallas, um, but I think that they're saving. They want revenge. Just, just like everyone thought that the Saints would come in and just dominate the Eagles because the Saints dominated the Eagles early in the game. These are NFL professionals, man. It's hard to beat a team twice in the NFL especially if you embarrassed them, talk noise, any of that. I know people say that stuff doesn't matter. You're going to have to play them anyway. But still, that stuff matters, man. The Rams are going to come in motivated to prove that that was a fluke. And I'm just, i I'm taking the Rams, and I feel good about the Rams this week. Even with Golf, man, they can run the ball. I mean, technically they got 2,000-yard backs back there. People forget C.J. Anderson, man. Man, that was 18 years ago. Man, that was only three years ago.
0: C.J. Anderson was running running for for the Broncos with John Elway. Was how many around. yards he
1: put on the Raiders? It don't matter. <laughs> uh,
0: I just want everyone to know that the previous 2 minutes is why they we call this show Two smart dummies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's up and down, man. All right, man. We don't have a research team, and I'm not recent. This It's off the fly. <laughs> let's go to uh let's go over the AFC real quick, man. You got um, two teams in the AFC that just didn't bother to show up on on over the weekend. Um, I guess they were ready for Cancun or whatever the hell they were trying to get oh, to. Um, the Indianapolis Colts just got mollywhopped versus the Chiefs, who tried to give let them back in the game, but um, the Colts wanted no part of that. And then you had uh, the San De- or excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers that just really got their asses whooped against uh, New England, like. This was the uh, 2007 Patriots
1: or something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the Colts were more disappointing to me just because as much faith as I had against the Chargers, I do always believe that the Patriots is a whole different monster going into the playoffs. So you can always justify that, which Phillip Rivers doesn't have a good track record against the Patriots. Uh, The Patriots have been the dominant team in the AFC East for, since I've been alive, all 20 years, Uh, and... You know, so I, I wasn't that surprised about the Colts. I mean, I wasn't that surprised about the Chargers. The Colts thing really baffled me because I, I've i never seen the the Kansas City Chiefs play that well on defense. So I wasn't sure the Colts offense was just out of sync or the Chiefs are good on defense now. I'm not really sure what I was seeing, but they look like a Pro Bowl defense everywhere. And I, I don't know, man. Andrew Luck didn't look like he was on. The running game looked terrible. Everything looked terrible. And I just don't know how to explain it. Is it? Is it just that bad being outdoors in Kansas City? Does the cold weather affect Andrew Luck that much?
0: Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever gone to Kansas City in the wintertime, but it is cold. And it's one of the arguments that I make about the uh, Patriots coming to Kansas City because Northeast cold and Plains cold are two different things. Yeah, I mean, they, they're both cold, but I mean, Plains cold cuts through your bones, man. Like, yeah, it hurts. Like, and if you're not ready for it, mm, mm, mm. I guess but I should have be it because
1: the Colts are a dome team, and they're, I bet you right. there's some kind of stat about dome teams going into cold weather places. Um, I don't agree with you about New England and Kansas City. Yeah, it's cold in Kansas City, but I mean, it's pretty fucking cold in Boston, too. And it's probably colder longer.
0: You're, okay. You ever been to Boston? Yes. I've been to Boston. It is cold, but I've also been to Kansas City in January and it is
1: miserable. Well, just I haven't been miserable. to Boston. I lied. But I've been to <laughs> Kansas City a lot of times and it's not that cold. I mean, it's cold, <laughs> but it's not like oh my god, Look, man, I can't function you are, cold.
0: You already lied once. We can't even trust anything you say. A lot of the time. It, so. You just gotta catch me. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't even press you on it, okay? You say, "Yeah, I took you at your word and moved on," yeah. and that must have ate at your soul, OJ. No, I feel like and, it would come
1: back at some point in time in a conversation. And be like, you know, lies take too much energy. You know, one day it'll come true. back and be like, "Hey, did you tell me you went to Boston?" I'm like, no.
0: That's why. That's why I can't lie because I'm I'm too forgetful. So, <laughs> um, all right, man. I am more. I'm actually more shocked that the Chargers did just didn't show up. I expected Indianapolis to lose the game um but i did not expect the chart the chargers to just get the hell Philip Rivers is the only one who wanted
1: to play some football this weekend um well Mike Williams looked like he was trying until that him mean, he got injured kind of early but Mike Williams looked like he was trying to do something um i just I man i don't i don't know if that was all the chargers though that's my problem i think that's just the patriots man the Patriots always look like that in the playoffs. Only, only team that I feel like really from the AFC really gives the Patriots trouble in the playoffs for some reason are the Ravens. If it's not the Ravens, yeah. then they kind of just walk, walk through everybody, man. Or the Broncos.
0: The Broncos, when they're good, are yeah. always tough for them.
1: Um. All right, let's talk
0: about this, this weekend. You've got two good games as far as Rams-Saints we've talked about. And I know you're taking the Rams. I'm taking the Saints. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the AFC matchup um you know you've got Patrick Mahomes who is the new wonder boy of the NFL apparently threw for 50 touchdowns this year over 5,000 yards um you know going against the the old golden boy in New England and everyone's tired of the Patriots no one wants to see them in the Super Bowl except you um what do you think's gonna happen this week
1: this is a pretty intriguing matchup because you kind of got if you believe in Patrick Mahomes this is one of those passing of the guards games you got the The GOAT of the NFL currently going against uh, the new GOAT. This is kind of like Jordan versus Kobe. So it's it's pretty exciting to see that because a lot of times you don't get to see two players that may be in the conversation of the greatest face each other. Um, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen because these teams are built similar. You know what I mean? Like their offense is really good. Their defense isn't great, but they can play really well at times. It's really a lot on the quarterback. I would say that Patrick Mahomes probably has more weapons, but with that, Tom Brady has more seasoned weapons. So Chris Hogan, Edelman, whoever bum he pulls off the bench that may go for 110 yards. So I mean, it's hard for me to go against the Patriots. Man, you got Bill Belichick against Andy Reid. You got Patrick Mahomes against the greatest quarterback of all time. I gotta go to Patriots, man. Yeah. I've seen Andy Reid use all his timeouts in the first quarter. Not three. I mean, like, all six. I don't even know how he did it. He was in the negative (laughs) by the third quarter. So I just don't trust that dude. I just don't trust Andy Reid in crunch time situations.
0: Yeah, but he's never had a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. I, I don't know. Man, Donovan McNabb won't no damn Patrick Mahomes. Bro,
1: Donovan McNabb when he first came in the league, he led him to four straight NFC championship games. I know who he was. The dude was good, but damn, I've never i se- I've never seen anything like Patrick Mahomes. Man, when Donovan McNabb was out there, you never seen anything like Donovan McNabb when Donovan McNabb came in to the hear league.
0: You shit. Yes, I did. No, His you name did. was Warren Moon. Okay. Yes, yeah. I
1: did. But Warren Moon didn't Warren Moon didn't move as well as um Donovan McNabb. He threw better and similar, but he didn't move as well as Donovan McNabb. Steve McNair did. But Don, Warren Moon didn't move like Donovan McNabb. Not not early. Yeah, but Donovan nobody, McNabb.
0: Nobody was calling Don McNabb the next great anything other than the next great colored fella. Except for old Rush Limbaugh's hating ass. But So if they if they had, said that
1: Donovan McNabb was a next great Warren Moon, that's a pretty great comparison.
0: It is, but then I I would still take Steve McNair over Don McNabb. I don't care what you say. Man, I'm not gonna argue that Steve McNair
1: is like one of my favorite players of all time. That's not a fair argument. He anyway. he played in spite of Jeff Fisher. Anybody that plays and are great in spite of Jeff Fisher is should be like a Hall of Fame great all time. We seen what that dude's done without Steve McNair. Now now you got to wonder
0: how good Steve McNair could have been. I'm saying <laughs> without Jeff Fisher. Without
1: Jeff Fisher, that dude could have been the greatest quarterback of all time. He was winning in spite of Jeff Fisher. He gave that dude a 20 year career. Yeah. Um.
0: Let me ask you this. We talked a little bit about it. So when the Saints go and beat the Rams, like That's I said they will, when it happens, and then Drew Brees goes in and wins another Super Bowl, where does that rank him? Where, where does that put him on the list of all-time great quarterbacks? I currently have him at number three.
1: No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. I have him at number I've got- three. I think you're taking my argument before I can get to it, which I don't respect at all. But – I have him at number three. It'll be interesting if Drew Brees beats the Patriots in the Super Bowl, which he has to get past the Rams. I don't think he will. But if just so happens he gets past the Rams and he faces the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. That would mean with accompanying all the records that Drew Drew Brees is going to retire with, accompanying all of that, Drew Brees will also have a Super Bowl win against Peyton Manning, and a super bowl win against tom brady now tom brady will be up in his career but he just went last year and threw for five million yards so you really can't say that he's on the downside um so if he wins i don't know man he might pass joe montana for me i mean joe montana's 4-0 but man that resume is impressive man
0: (laughs) i'm kind of in that boat as well um drew Brees is thrown for 5,000 yards five different times, and every other quarterback in NFL history has done it a combined six times. Um, and that's including Patrick Mahomes this year. I mean, Drew Brees has just been flat out incredible. Um, Consistent. he's the all time yards leader. Uh, you know, and if he wins another Super Bowl, I I, I I already think he's better than Peyton Manning, and some people disagree with that, but I think that I think he's better than Peyton Manning. Yeah, I agree too. Um, And I I think that no one's gonna put him in as far as no one's gonna put him at number two all time. But I definitely think that he should be top two, top three, um, because I can't think of very many that are better than him. If you look at their body of work, I mean, who can you like realistically say is better than than Drew Brees? And what would your justification be? Well, that's gonna be the fact that he's only got one Super Bowl.
1: Me, but I mean, I've seen people put Aaron Rodgers, Brett Farr ahead of him. I've seen people put uh, Peyton Manning ahead of them. If you just Google top quarterbacks of all time in 2018, they got Drew Brees rated like 8th. Right like 8th. Ridiculous. Which is crazy Ridiculous. to me. I think they got Johnny Unitas rated right ahead of that dude. It's just the craziest thing. I cannot fathom how he could be that far down the list with all Ludicrous. the records that he has. And the records that he have aren't just like Throwaway records. I mean, the dude has like the most passing attempts, or he's like second with the most passing attempts of all time, which he will retire with the most passing attempts. But with that, he's the most efficient quarterback because he has the higher, highest completion ration, um, completion rate of any quarterback. So he throws more than everybody. He completes more than everybody. He throws for more yards than everybody. Like, what else do you want?
0: <laughs> right. So.
1: He, he's consistent every year. He's like what you said, the 5,000-yard thing, but he's thrown for like 4,500 yards for like seven straight seasons or something like that. Only thing that's holding him back is Super Bowls. And if you beat Peyton Manning and you beat Tom Brady in a duel head-to-head for Super Bowls, I'm not going to put him past Tom Brady. I'm not going to do that. I'm not crazy.
0: Can't do that.
1: But number two, it's realistic, man.
0: I think the thing that holds him back is that the Saints have been in and out of the playoffs every year. Um, really for since he's been there. You know, they're they're a dominant team one year, they're seven and nine the next, they're
1: a dominant team the next year, they're seven and nine the next. Um I fought know, the NFL this, for that. If they just let Greg Williams stay there, let him keep putting bounties on people's head and motivating that defense like he does, <laughs> then Drew Brees could have ten championships right now. We don't know. <laughs> We don't
0: know. I mean, that. probably, definitely, probably a different story. Definitely, probably. <laughs> now he might. Um, they might
1: have killed like twenty people.
0: <laughs> ended some careers. Uh, now, as everyone prepares before we move on to college football, um, this Saints Chiefs matchup in the Super Bowl is going to be fantastic. It's not so.
1: going to be the Saints Chiefs. It's going to be the Pats Rams. All right, we'll see. Pats. All right, Tom man. Brady gets his sixth Super Bowl title yikes yeah. um jordan and i think tom brady sold his soul we'll say that for another podcast we'll like we'll save that for like an off-season podcast so
0: Kyler murray a lot a lot going on in college football this past couple days Kyler murray has declared for the nfl draft your oklahoma sooners have welcomed in with open arms jalen hurts um you've had a few qbs transfer uncle donnie trump um let the Clemson Tigers get all dressed up for some McDonald's. Best um, meal they ever we, had. Mm-hmm. Little ghetto fucks. They never had nothing good in their life anyway. Best uh, meal ever. <laughs> all right, man. What do you want to talk about first?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm interested in this Kyler Murray thing, man, because we were, we were kind of wrong on this early in the season, and we did a couple of pods talking about Kyler Murray, you know, big enough the bonus. He should definitely play baseball, and... We kind of missed the boat a lot showing our baseball knowledge is lacking because that's not the case. um, The more that I read, financially, if Kyler Murray can get drafted, probably really anywhere in the top in the first round, he's better off. But even anywhere in the top 40 picks, he will probably come out better financially if he believes in his talent as a quarterback. Um, By what I'm reading... A lot of what they're basing it on is um, Lamar Jackson. Last year, he got a four point nine million dollar signing bonus, and then his contract is nine million dollars over four years. So he was he's guaranteed around thirteen to fourteen million dollars over four years. And then if he's a, he's already starting, so if he does well, he'll probably be in the twenty million dollar range in year five. Kyler Murray is just due from baseball, $4.66 million, and then for the next four to six years could be making minimum wage. So you get a lot up front, and then you have to work for all the money. So when you see these baseball players getting $300 million, they've earned that money because for six years they probably played for minimum wage. I did not know that. So this baseball-football thing is intriguing to me with Kyler Murray.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, six years. But that I mean, if you're an exceptional player, that's not always the case. I mean But it's like at least three years
1: path. to arbitration. That's what I read. You have to go up to the minors, you have to get a big league contract, which could take three to four years. Then when you get there, you can you have to be through arbitration for like three years. If you're great, you can get arbitration in three years. If not, it could take you six years to be a free agent. Like is that not correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. I And I think that if Kyler's going to go in the first round, sorry about that long silence. I thought you had more to add. It was just so abrupt. Um, <laughs> you must not have been uh, body.
1: Obviously, you don't listen when I'm talking is what you're saying.
0: I'll be honest. I don't know what the hell you were talking about. <laughs> you started talking about arbitration. I'm thinking about court. Uh, you know, whatever. Okay. Kyler Murray. <laughs> He's got all I know is he's got the chance to be the first player ever to be drafted in the first round. That's all I wanted to say of uh, <laughs> the NFL and Major League Baseball draft. So um I still think that he's got a hard road either way. If I think he'll get drafted in the first round, but man, I have a hard time believing a five eight quarterback is gonna be good in, in the NFL. He does have a rocket arm and I'm not denying his talent, but
1: Bro, this is know. deja vu. We had this exact conversation about Baker Mayfield last year, it took all the way until like week four. of The N- now he didn't even start in week four. It's like what week five or six for you to finally come to my side about Baker Mayfield. I'm telling you, man, the NFL is not what you think it was back in the '90s. They pretty much run these college spread systems anyway. So all this, they don't go under center a lot. That's why people used to be care, used to care about being 6'6 and stuff because you would be under center, your offensive linemen are 6'6, 6'7. You can't see over them. You get a lot of p- passes batted down. Most teams don't go under center a lot. You can play from the shotgun the whole game. It's the same as college now. So I don't think that size thing even matters. So I, I like Kyler Murray in the NFL, I and mean, I think just like Baker Mayfield, I think he's going to go in the top ten. I'm not quite sure he will go number one because I think Haskins is probably a safer prospect for most scouts, but I do think he'll go top ten.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, the difference between this conversation and the conversation last year is like. I was really in on Baker Mayfield. I had to convince you um that the dude was gonna be good. And you're an Oklahoma guy, so um I'm shocked at that. You're now shocked. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, on the other hand, we both agree that he's gonna stink right out the gate. Uh depend you know, I don't know. I, I can't get over a dude that's shorter than me. I can't see him because 'cause I've seen some NFL cats and they there's some big dudes, man. I just I don't know. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to be made a believer of this one. Unlike Baker. I was in on that well, one.
1: Well, I'm just saying no you weren't. I'm just saying that um I know the NFL GMs are dumb. That's my perspective. I don't know but if Kyler were. Murray will be great in NFL. I I knew Baker Mayfield would be great. I seen him for three knew. years. I knew. But as far as Kyler Murray, he does have some question marks based on what I have seen because and, and he hadn't played for three years like Baker. Um, he he has trouble with a good pass rush. You put pressure on him, he, he depends on his speed. And because he's so small, those defensive linemen can kind of grab him because he plays around at the line of scrimmage. I'm not saying that he's not going to be good in the NFL. I'm just saying I'm not as sold on him as I was on Baker. But we were. <laughs> <laughs> but I still think that there's no way in a bad quarterback draft that he doesn't go top 10 when you have – three teams that need a quarterback in the top 10, and probably seven to eight teams that need a quarterback overall in the first round. You mean to tell me that they're all going to pass up on a Heisman Trophy winner and go with Drew Locke or whatever the dude's name is from Duke? I, just, I don't nah, buy it. I can't anymore. see it happening.
0: I, I do think he's going to get drafted in the first round. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think it'll happen. I, I'm not convinced that he's going to be a great quarterback just because he's slight I um, mean, like you say, he doesn't really have the experience to back it up as far as, you know, playing in a, at a high level long
1: term. So we'll see. Um, what do you think Jalen Hurts does for Oklahoma? Um, now, that that guy I'm pretty pretty on the fence about. I mean, I, I'm, I like Jalen Hurts as a player overall. I think he's a winner. He's 26-2. and two. It's one of those things. Once you get benched and everybody starts nitpicking you, talking about you weren't good, end of the day, dude was 26-2. and two. He only lost to uh Clemson once with Deshaun Watson and he struggled against Georgia who had the best defense that year. That's a pretty oh, he lost to Auburn too, but that's that's a rivalry game. So it's a it's a lot, you know what I mean? The one thing that I would say is it's the perfect place for him to go if he's trying to go pro. The bad part is, is the system can expose him. Because with this system, OU does wanna run a power run spread. They're going to run some stuff where he can run the ball and all that. But at some point, he's going to have to show his arm. Because one thing you don't see in the Big 12, people play OU like rush three, cover four, drop eight. They do that a lot against OU. Baker kind of struggled with it until he learned to read defenses. Collar was way more patient than Baker because he trusted his speed. It's interesting to see how Jalen reacts in that situation i'm not worried about Jalen when he plays the texas um osu i'm worried about Jalen when he plays like iowa state and those teams that know they don't have the athlete to compete and all they do is just drop back and force you to throw it underneath so it'll be interesting but i mean if you want to go professional i think this is the best decision you got one year you go to a team that's built to win um that compete for a championship and that has two back-to-back heisman winners he wants to go pro no better system. I'm not truly sold on the move, but it's better than having a freshman or a dude that I don't know what he can do. Yeah,
0: and um, I think I think it's a good move for him. I, I knew once uh, – what was the quarterback's name that went to Miami? Uh,
1: Tate Martell.
0: I knew that as soon as that was official that um, Oklahoma probably had the best shot of landing Jalen Hurts. That seemed like a done deal. Um yeah, when we were talking about it a little bit yesterday that Oklahoma was the favorite.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny how all of the, how all of it took place because it went so fast. I mean, and I think that's because OU was originally um, chasing Justin Fields from Georgia. Once Justin Fields declared and put in the transfer, everyone thought that he had a good chance of going to OU. Um, but when he decided to go to Ohio State, that kind of made a domino effect in, in the whole NCAA. That kind of shook it up, in my opinion because he went to to OSU and everybody's not even realizing they have a five-star quarterback that redshirted is sitting on the bench. Now Tate Martell enters the system as a five-star dual-threat quarterback, so people are chasing him. OU's backup quarterback obviously got wind of something, so he enters, and now you just got this quarterback carousel going on with Jalen Hurts. So once Tate Martell said he's going to Miami – then Jalen Hurts is OU in Maryland. Seems like an easy decision. Jalen goes to OU. Now you have OU's quarterback wanting to go to West Virginia, and OU is being hypocrites and w- trying to block him from going to West Virginia because it's in conference. So it's just a bunch of stuff going on with these quarterbacks. I think they need to change their rule. The AC- SEC's already changed their rule where you can transfer in conference without setting out a year. The Big 12 hasn't. So Austin Kendall can transfer to West Virginia but he'll have to sit out one year, and he can't redshirt because he's already redshirted, so he right. would lose a year of eligibility, and he's a graduate transfer. So kind of hypocritical of OU when you have brought in two transfers and had the whole Baker Mayfield situation. Now you're trying to do this to a kid that played nice for three years and lost the starting job. You had the two Heisman Trophy winners, but still. Lost the starting job to two transfers when you recruited them in there, and now you won't let them transfer to start. Nice.
0: Yeah, that's tough. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about this transfer portal that, that since we're seeing so much movement that is not typical in college football?
1: Yeah, I man, I, I love it. I mean, I love the movement. I like because, I mean, you see the same movement with coaches. So why shouldn't right. you see players move? And that's what I'm saying. I, I want – I want all conferences to eliminate this rule of making players sit out because you transfer. Because assistant coaches can transfer within the conference and become a head coach. Kirby Smart transferred. He didn't have to sit out a year when he went to Georgia. So why can't a player transfer and be competitive? You recruit these guys in. You tell them that they're going to start or whatever. And then you proceed to chase transfer quarterbacks and people that you perceive to be better and then halt their career. Even when a dude like Austin Kendall sits for three years, you're still trying to keep him from playing. He graduated before he played three years. You know, what I mean? that's four. Years, right. You know, that's crazy. So yeah, I think they need to change all the rules and really open it up for freedom to ru- freedom of movement.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, especially, you know, I I think that as we talked about, coaches move all the time and they're not held accountable um and a lot of reason that these kids go to play for these schools is for the coaches and if that coach gets fired or decides to go somewhere else i think that those players should be able to do that as well um without having to miss a
1: year of eligibility um you know that that's just one of the dumbest things in history yeah i think they should be separate i think you should have a a red shirt rule you know, for kids there, but you should have another rule if you're going to keep these rules in place to preserve a year. You know what I mean? So, let's say Austin Kendall already redshirted OU. If you want to block him and say he has to sit out of you, are fine. Well, that shouldn't be have anything to do with his eligibility. You know what I mean? Like, if he transfers, he should still have two years of eligibility because that's what it's all about. I mean, it's all about your eligibility, especially a quarterback, because a quarterback, I mean, you can play till you 40, 45, so... You know, getting out when you're twenty-two. I mean, you're just getting more experience before you go to NFL to give you a better shot of starting. But yeah, man, I, I I just, the rules are getting better. It's getting more player friendly, but they still have a ways to go. And I think, Oh, you need to do the right thing. Let Kendall go wherever he wants to go.
0: So let's talk a little bit about, um, the fine dining experience that the Clemson Tigers received after they won their championship at the white house. Um, The players were met with a solid, great American
1: food. Uh, An American American meal. Even though there was pizza.
0: (laughs) Pizza, cold burgers from McDonald's, which we all know that fast food, typically once you leave the parking lot, you got about three minutes to get home or that shit detonates. Um, So that's what these champs. Had for, you know, their their visit with uh, Uncle Donnie or President Donnie. Um, So Donald went out of the way and said that, you know, oh, I paid for this myself, this, that, the other and bragging about himself per usual. But why wouldn't you just if you really paid for it? Why wouldn't you just hire a couple personal chefs or a few personal chefs or catered from some mom and pop stop and really be able to say, like, yeah, great American food, supporting American economy, um, even though the government's shut down. Here's what we can do instead of giving it to, you know, billion dollar corporations like Domino's, Burger King, Wendy's and McDonald's. Because just not a good look overall. Yeah, just I mean, I, I don't want to get too deep into it, but come on, man. Uh, Michael Strahan came out and said, man, I'll take these guys out to dinner. They can have whatever they want on the menu, steak, lobster, anything they want. And, uh, that's, ex- that's what you expect from a presidential dinner, right? Like I can go eat Burger King anywhere. Why would I need to do that at the White House?
1: Yeah. You don't expect to go to something that formal and just eat fast food. And then he, it's more of the fact the way he looked like they should appreciate that I did this for them. Cause I went out of my pocket. I actually right. think that he missed an opportunity here because, you know, you got the government shut down. You have bad press. You have a lot of stuff going up, going wrong. And this is like an alley-oop. This is a layup. Okay, if you're going to pay for something by right. yourself, then go ahead and get some local chefs or something to come in and, you know, whip up some cuisine. You know, you're bringing... People into the White House. You're letting them cook for these players. You're giving them a good experience. You've had a lot of occasions where champions of the NFL, NBA, whoever, don't even want to come to the White House. So I didn't hear any of that with Clemson. Everybody showed up, and there was no big fuss about it. People came, and you serve them Wendy's, McDonald's. Like, that. that's crazy to me. You could have you shown a better press run by just going to get some local some local chefs and having them whip it up and serve these kids a great meal, something that they, di- they don't experience. I mean, like you said, you can get McDonald's and Wednesday's all day. I mean, Wendy's has a meal for $5 where you can get, like, a double bacon cheeseburger, fries, nuggets, <laughs> and a drink. Like, that food is the food that's killing us in America, and you're going to serve it to these elite athletes. Like, it sounds cool, but that's actually the food that's killing us. When, when a hamburger costs more than a bag of grapes, then you know that there's something wrong with the hamburger.
0: And I just think that Uncle Donnie should use, uh, he should employ the Dwight Schrute from the office tactic <laughs> that is, I always ask myself before I do something, would an idiot do this? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, an idiot would do this, I do not do that thing. That's pretty sound
1: advice in life.
0: (laughs) It really is, and I feel like this was an opportunity for that to be employed. Um, All right, man, let's get to the dessert round. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the NBA. We had last night um, a real marquee game. Um, The Denver Nuggets, number one seed in the West, going against the Golden State Warriors, number two seed in the West. And just like we were expecting – um, got a really close, great, awesome wire-to-wire game that came down to the final... Se- uh, sorry, that's the wrong game. Yeah. Final uh, seconds of the I'm first kidding. quarter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Nuggets were not ready for prime time, clearly, because they let to and, st- and the Nuggets, the crazy part is, they didn't even play a bad game. <laughs> uh, they shot 60% in the first half, and, or in the first quarter, and... They were still down 13 points. Golden State set a record for 51 points scored in the first quarter, and just proceeded to obliterate the uh, the Denver Nuggets. What do you make of that? Are you surprised, or is just a game that doesn't matter in you know in the regular season?
1: No, there's. I mean, there you have these games for Golden State. Um, Golden State has that Patriots thing where they can coast to 65 wins, and they know it. But when you make the mistake of making yourself a threat and talking about it, they have a tendency to prove a point during the season and play serious. And that's what I saw last night. Denver had made themselves a threat. They've been the number one seed for the past two weeks. Everyone's, you know, talking about how good Denver is. Can they test um, Can they test Golden State? Talking to Kevin Durant, the disrespect, talking to Kevin Durant about chasing Denver in free agency, I mean, you're just kind of poking the bear there. Every day you're poking the bear. And that's what you saw at the end of the day is they poked the bear one too many times, even before the game. Because, you know, Mike Malone was an assistant there when Mark Jackson was there. And he had the thing of saying, well, I don't know why we have the best record against Golden State and we tend to give them trouble. Just, right. Just, you're not ready. You're not ready yet. I mean, it's like a boxer going pro a little too early. Let them underestimate you and then play them. Don't let them think that you're serious and a threat because then what happened last night?
0: Yeah, so the final score was 142 to 111, and Kevin Durant had 27. Uh, both Steph and Clay were over 30 points. Um, it. Wow. I mean, it was it was a straight-up beatdown. One thing I've noticed about the NBA this season is that there are uh, – it's. I love the NBA. I, I it's it's my number one sport. I love it more than any, anything else out there. Um but man, there's been so many blowouts this season. Like you you think a, a good matchup, I mean, you look at the the 76ers Timberwolves matchup from yesterday and that was a 42-point win for the 76ers. Now, obviously they had something to prove. At least Jimmy Butler did. Um you know, as far as being traded from Minnesota earlier in the season, but there's been so many blowouts that I mean, even your sorry ass Heat got their ass blown to smithereens by damn near 40 points by the Bucks yesterday. Um, hey, is that no just the way it
1: goes? To say anything about the Heat, we were we were that's on a good winning for, streak, and we're that's what you get <laughs> for
0: yelling at me about the Raiders earlier. <laughs> so I forgot
1: we just had a bad game. But yeah, man, I mean I mean, we all know that there's not a lot of real parity in the NFL, in the NBA. I mean, typically you see more of it in the East. Um but this year has been really odd and I think it's because the season started so early. They really, they're only doing two weeks of preseason, so this has been a really slow start to the season. That's why you saw teams like Memphis and Dallas in the number one spot early in the season, and now they can't even see them on the board anymore, and people are talking about trading their whole teams because these, teams, these players, 82 games is a long season, and these players aren't anxious to play hard for 82 games, but now they're starting to turn it on, and you're really starting to see the disparity in talent between these teams. Um, Minnesota shouldn't have got beaten like that. Jimmy Butler just came in there and proved what he's been saying that that team is soft because they've been playing well. Cat's been going 27 and 27. Then, as soon as Jimmy Butler walks in the door, Wiggins looks like he doesn't belong in the NBA anymore. And (laughs) Cat's not a, a fierce tiger anymore. He's a kitty cat. He goes for like 13 and 3 when he's been averaging like 20 and 15 over the past 20 games. So, he just highlighted that they're soft. There's a different level of toughness in the NBA that all these teams don't have. The talent level is more equal. I would argue Like you have a lot more talent in the NBA, but the toughness is not there. The toughness is not there like the 90s. In the 90s, when you would play a bum team, you know you were getting a good game. You know you were getting a tough game. You know you had some tough, mentally strong players that you were playing against. And I don't believe it's like that in the NBA. That's why I think you see so many blowouts.
0: Yeah, um, because I was fully... Expecting to, you know, flip over from the Razorback game right into the Golden State Warriors game. And I got two blowouts. I got the Arkansas Razorbacks got blown to smithereens by Tennessee.
1: Normal. And then I got, you know, Golden State that just really beat the hell out of Denver. So yeah, I do um, think Denver will be better because I think Denver's a legit team. Um, they're getting healthy. They just went up against a buzzsaw and they thought it was a regular, regular season game. They thought it was a regular season game and it wasn't um they they weren't prepared to match the intensity of what Golden State shown. I think next time they'll be better prepared to match that. Because Denver's for real. So we talked a little bit
0: about um parity in the East. Um I don't think we need to touch on the West too much. Uh although I do want to talk a little bit about the the my Memphis Grizzlies and where do they go from here? Um but let's talk a little bit about the, you know, the expectations going into the season were that Philadelphia and Boston would be the cream of the crop in the East. Um, instead we've got the, uh, Milwaukee bucks and the Toronto Raptors that sit atop the East and the Celtics are, I think the fifth seed or the fourth seed and the fifth seed, right?
1: Uh, I'm not looking right now, but I believe Celtics are fifth seed, Miami is six seed. Yeah. And then you've got the Sixers who are the fourth seed. Um,
0: Neither one of these teams have played up to expectations this season, and uh, I'm kind of shocked. Particularly, I mean, Jimmy Butler's the cancer that he is, so they're I'm, they're getting what they paid for over in Philly. But I'm really surprised that Boston has played this bad. I expected that that there would be some uh, growing pains because they were integrating, uh, you know, two guys that missed a lot of the year due to injury last year, and Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving back into the lineup, and now here we are. And this team looks functional sometimes and completely dysfunctional at others.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm more surprised about the Sixers than the Celtics, but because we, we've seen this from the Celtics. Now, last year was a lot because of injuries, but I think Celtics proved last year and they built up enough credibility where you know if they get into the playoffs, they're going to be a tough out. They are suffering from some chemistry issues with Kyrie coming back, Jalen adjusting the new roles, blah, 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 but... I think we're all pretty confident in the playoffs. You can't discount Boston. Boston's a whole different animal, just like the Patriots in the playoffs. Not too concerned about them. Sixers, I really expected them to take the next step. Like, I thought this was a year that the Sixers would, you know, be the number one seed throughout the year, dominate, and go into the playoffs looking to knock down Boston. But we hadn't seen that. We've seen Jimmy Butler bring in some new chemistry issues, we've seen Ben. Um, ben simmons as good as he is and the stats that he put up he's still exposed at the end of games because he can't hit a jump shot as deep and as good as that team is it just feels like they're missing something so you see teams like milwaukee giannis has taken that next level he's just dominating every game and they're just as deep they don't have the fancy names as philadelphia but milwaukee is just as deep and toronto is too And they have Kawhi Leonard and Milwaukee as Giannis. So it's not a good bet that the Sixers will do as well as they did last year because they don't have a rich history of winning. They need to be at another level. They need to be a level above all these other teams before they get there, in my opinion, because they're younger and they're less experienced. Well, the problem with Philly is they don't have any shooting, consistent shooting other than J.J.
0: Redick on that team. Uh, Ben Simmons can't shoot at all. Um, they're basically getting nothing as far as three point shooting from that four spot. Um, Jimmy Butler isn't known as a three point shooter, so they they have spacing issues, which is creates their problem. But I do want to say uh, Joel and B. That dude is putting up like Shaquille O'Neal like numbers. I mean that it, the guy has been incredible this year.
1: Yeah, he has been. But as you said, when you have a dominant center like that, the reason why Hakeem was so good. Is because they were so spaced out. Like everybody on that team, if you think about that team, you had Robert Horry, the four man could hit threes. You had uh, Vernon Davis, you had Kenny Smith, you had uh, what's the uh, other dude's name? I can't remember the dude that was there before Clyde. Um, But you had you had shooting everywhere, and that's what that's the Sixers haven't built it that way. Um, Over Christmas in the Boston game, they were trying to isolate Joel Embiid because he was having a monster game. They literally couldn't because the only person they had in the game that could hit a jumper was uh, J.J. Reddick. So when you threw it down to Embiid, six people, even the ref and the uh, dude from the audience came and guarded Embiid. He couldn't get a shot off.
0: And that's the tough part about not having Sarich and Covington because both those guys could spread the floor.
1: They spaced the floor out a lot better than Jimmy Butler. So giving up Sarich. He was the person to knock down the threes at the four. Robert Covington was a knockdown shooter last year, and that's why I say you some of these teams go for the names when the role players are just good enough. Everybody wants to be better, just like the Rockets. They trade Trevor Ariza. Now you're struggling. I mean, nobody wants to keep what they got. They want to chase a name to get better.
0: I have a question. Shoot. Who the hell is Vernon
1: Davis? Oh, shit. Vernon Maxwell. <laughs> you know who Vernon Davis to, is. He played
0: him. I was trying to rack my brain into who the hell Vernon Davis was because I, I, then I figured you meant Vernon Maxwell, but I know about correcting you because you go down with the ship. Yeah, I will. So, I will. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to be clear. Um, all right, man, let's get to the guy who is um, kicking Allen Iverson out of the top five shooting guards of all time, uh, James Harden. Or him too. <laughs> uh, you know, Ridiculous. the logo. Uh, but James Harden has been on an absolute tear as of late. The man has scored um, over 30 points in 17 consecutive games, which is a modern record, passing Kobe Bean Bryant at 16. Um, this man, Chris Paul gets hurt, and you think that the Rockets are done. This man has put this team on his back and has dragged them. To where they are now, to from 14th to four in the West, um, it's truly incredible.
1: Yeah, it's incredible the fact that the more players that they lose, the better he gets. Like he's better with less talent around him. There's not a lot of players that you can really say that about. He's he's really a throwback player. Um, he wants the offense to himself. He embraces the challenge. The more shots that he gets, he's he's so efficient at shooting. He's a he's a lot like Steph Curry with his efficiency, but it's just amazing. You lose, like you said, you lose um, Chris Paul, so he starts to average 40. Okay, now you lose Clint Capella, Clint Capella, so now the dude drops 56 and nine. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's amazing what this dude does, man. He he's definitely now in the top five of shooting guards. But that doesn't knock out Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson is still there because there's no way a dude that lost nine times when TV wasn't even in color and on tape delay is better than Allen Iverson. Not going.
0: He's a logo for a reason. He's so. a logo
1: because he's a dynasty maker. Not because uh, he lost he's a di- 27 okay. pl- Twenty-seven so times. He's been- to the He's
0: been the logo for 40 years but when he was creating dynasties in the 70s is that what you're telling yeah, me? You know, they knew it they knew Ch- what was Ch- coming. You ass,
1: know so. people come back from the future. They knew who Jerry <laughs> West was going to be. <laughs> you don't All watch right, man, Ancient I'll Aliens, mean, man? No. <laughs> I want to get to
0: something near and dear to my heart um, before we get out of here. I think it's time to break up the Memphis Grizzlies duo of Mark Gasol and Mike Conley. Um... One of, I think, five players in the NBA, two of five players in the NBA have played for one team for, um, you know, 10 years or more for their entire career, basically. Um, And I think it's time. I think that, you know, A, we have a terrible GM, Chris Wallace, should be fired immediately. Um, A terrible coach, J.B. Bickerstaff, should be fired immediately. This is his first year, Uh, isn't it? Second year, should be fired immediately. You are not
1: a fool, you. Then uh um what's the name start out there should
0: be fired immediately. immediately okay I watched this man I watched him in Houston I've seen enough he's bad and I'm all about us brothers you know taking as
1: long as we can but JB you guys to go brother you guys to go so you don't like the way he's developing Jaren is what you're saying that's what not, not at all
0: not at all but I actually do think that so the Memphis is in Memphis is in a ch- in a tough situation because They um, have to finish in in the bottom of eighth this year to keep their pick. Uh, That goes to the Celtics Um, if it's it's top six protected next year. um, And then it's conveyed in 2021 regardless. So Memphis is in that spot where they either let Boston have the pick this year um, in a loaded draft and then just build for the future for the next two years or kind of bottom out right now Go for the top eight, top six, and then let them have the pick regardless in
1: 2021. Um, What would you do? Well, I'd definitely let them have the pick this year. I mean, this is supposed to be one of the better drafts. You got a loaded amount of talent coming in at top 10. Um, I hear a lot of people saying, you really can't miss if you draft someone in the top 10, and you could potentially get a superstar. And that's what Memphis needs. I would... I think last year was the time to get rid of Marc Gasol. If they didn't. They could have had more I draft agree. picks in last year's draft, which was pretty loaded in the top ten, also, and this year's draft. So you have to do you have to do it now, man. You have to get rid of Marc Gasol. Let him go to a contender like they did with Paul Gasol. Do the right thing. Get some prospects and prepare for the future. It's an easy call.
0: Yeah, and, and it's tough because you know Memphis is not a place where where free agents come. So. I understand that they want to do, but right by Mark, but it's clearly an untenable situation. He's not happy, uh, we're not happy, and I would like to see him somewhere else, um, competing for a championship, possibly. Um, Weird.
1: When did you start playing for the for the Grizzlies?
0: Oh, so so every time I let you 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 slide with the whole weed thing with Oklahoma. Uh, North Carolina, you, Miami. You didn't know you
1: called me about out about that in the episode that didn't uh, get aired.
0: Whoever else you play for,
1: <laughs> uh, okay,
0: the African national team, whatever it is, the what African national the team, <laughs> um,
1: Zimbabwe, <laughs> Zimbabwe, the bobsled team.
0: So you know, I wasn't gonna say anything, but since here you are, um, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I think it's time for Memphis to blow it up. Grit and grind era is dead. As much as I hate to see it go, I'm ready to see it go. I'm just so, sick of
1: Memphis. Can they just move the team?
0: Moving no, to I'm Seattle, man. I'm just tired no, of that style. I'm tired of New Orleans. Going to go to
1: Seattle. Yeah, I mean New Orleans is bad. And when they trade Anthony Davis, that team is definitely moving to Seattle. Yep. So Memphis is actually a passionate city,
0: dude. We love the Grizzlies. We love our Grizzlies there. Um, but it's just tough, man, because we've been in the situation now for a few years. We we were, you know, one of the Contenders in the Western Conference for a while, and, and for seven Questions. straight years, and you know everything comes to an end, I suppose. So
1: not truly a contender. Y'all, y'all made it fun to watch, but nobody ever thought you were actually gonna win. I mean, let's get realistic here.
0: I mean, I was at Game Seven when we when we upset the Spurs. Them weak ass Spurs. <laughs> okay, uh, how'd
1: that turn out for you? I don't remember. It don't matter. <laughs> you don't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Alright man, that's all I got. Anything you want to add before we get out of here? Nope, I'm done. That's it, that's all. Check us out on the
1: Instagram at whatever it is, baby. (laughs) Two smart dummies. Number two smart dummies. And you can also email us at smart dummies the number two. If you have something to say about how dumb Marcus is.
0: Facebook coming 2020. 2024, be more realistic. Yep. (laughs) So, All right, y'all, that's it. That's all. We'll holler at you next week. Peace. Peace.